Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Second Kings chapter six. This is a message that I had not intended on preaching. I've worked actually on something entirely different. Uh, out of the book of Daniel, and how God placed Daniel at the right place at the right time. And I, I do know, prophetically, scripturally, we're at the perfect place at the perfect time to see the blessings of God released and to fulfill the purpose that God has for our life. Daniel changed history by his prayer, his diligence, his excellent spirit. And so I hope that through all the study that I was able to do, I'll be able to preach that some other day. Because the Lord told me uh, to preach this last night. He said, nope, you need, to, you need to do this in the series of vision. And in actual fact, it's a message that I preach almost every single year. It is a message that if you don't understand what I'm about to preach to you, you'll never understand why we are the way that we are here at King's. We're a vision-driven house. We're a vision-driven house. Without vision, my people perish. And so we're in the series on vision. And we do have notes, I believe, uh, that are being passed around, and if you don't have one of those and you'd like them, just bring your attention to the ushers. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, go to verse 13. As we get into the Word, we'll read just uh, four verses of Scripture here. 2 Kings 6 verse 13, New King James Version. So he said, go see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came at night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was the army surrounding the city, horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, verse 16, Do not fear. I want you to say that. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let's read that together. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word it's filled with revelation and truth that releases even a revolution in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you would give us living understanding this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There are, uh, if you've played sports and you've been on any team, it's not just sports, it's really any team, including God's team, the, the church. There needs to be repeated messages that come to equip us to move forward in the plan of God. If you just hear one message on prayer, how many of you know there's a whole lot more than God wants to say to you? And then I've found in my own life, just with regards to training, if I don't go to the gym and keep doing the things that keep me in shape, I lose, I lose it. 
I got back in the gym for the first time in a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm down by 15% of my weight. I'm, I'm down. Of course, I'm fasting, but I'm not as strong by 15%. You can lose the edge. So repeated messages like this are crucial to the understanding of what God wants to do. And especially as a people here at King's Cathedral and Chapels Worldwide, this message specifically is a message that is profound uh, in our understanding and has led us to be where we are, a message on vision, open our eyes. Raise a right hand to God and say, Lord, open my eyes. Come on, say it again. Ready, set, go. Lord, open my eyes. So Elijah is, the word of the Lord is so in the mouth of Elijah that, he, that he's sabotaging the plans of the enemies of Israel, the king of Aram's plan. Every time you go and study this and read it out, you'll see that every time the enemy of Israel, Aram, goes to attack, Elijah knows where he's going to attack. He tells the king, they're ready, they ambush, they show up, they're like, ha we're ready for you. And so accurate is that word that the king of Aram says, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a traitor in here. So we have, must have a spy in our midst. And they said, oh no, no, there's this guy, this man of God, Elijah. He hears God. He hears what you're saying in your bedroom. How many of you know God hears everything? And so it's profound. And so I, I like to say when I've preached this message many times, I think the king gets a spirit of stupid because he's like, all right, then let's attack him at Dauphin. I mean, he already knows every time you're going to attack, don't you think God's going to do something? Now, in this case, it's interesting that that the prophet doesn't get the word that the, that the enemy's coming, but it's something else supernatural happens. Listen, just because God delivered you one way the last time doesn't mean he's gonna do it that way this time. Many times you'll do things differently, and it's just to show you another expression of his glory and to build your faith. And so Dothan is where they're at. They're camped out there. The, the, the prophet's servant gets up to make a cup of French roast for the prophet. And, and he looks up and he sees this amazing army. I mean, it's, they're doomed. There's two dudes and all of these army of chariots and everything all around him. And Elijah's servant responds with fear. He responds with fear. Fear will shut you down. Fear will, will push you back. Fear will limit what God wants to do through you. Fear. Fear and greed drive the markets of the world. But Elijah's response, when he wakes up, he's like, where's my coffee? He's like, we're in trouble. What? Where's my coffee, bro? And that's not what happened. I'm just reading into it a little bit. He says, what are we going to do? And he, he says, Lord, open his eyes. Elijah's response is one of confidence because he had vision, because he could see. He could see. If you could see today what God has planned for you. You see, we see in part. We prophesy in part. There will be a day when we will be fully known and, and, and we will know fully, even as we are fully known. There will be that day in heaven, there'll be that day. But there's now this time where we see dimly, but God releases vision. And when he releases vision to a people, it changes everything. It releases confidence. One of the reasons somebody said to me, Pastor, aren't you stressed out about the building? I am not. It wasn't my idea. And I'm really glad about that because I would be told, I'd buy hives. I don't know what I'd be. I, if, I, if it was my idea, we ought to run for the hills, all of us. But it's not my idea. It's God's vision, clearly exhibited by all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles. So what do you do about that when the wind blows and things go south? 
I'm getting ahead of myself, but you encourage yourself to have confidence, say, whoo, what are you going to do, God? Because uh, this ain't my building, and it sure ain't my church. I'm just a little shepherd boy trying to shepherd like you called me to. So what you going to do, Lord? Come on, Jesus. So confidence and faith is released because he had vision. So I want to speak to you about vision. I want to speak to you about vision. I remember this text was used in my life. Pastor Karen and I were very, we were very green, very new in the ministry. We had just gone into full-time ministry. I took an intern wage as a grown man with a full debt load and, and, then, and then extra debt. And so they, they didn't have any openings for me at the church, but I couldn't take it anymore. I'd cried out for God and the Lord opened an intern position for me. I remember Dr. Morocco saying, well, that's all we have, but I understand if you don't want to do that. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. Thanks. I remember, I remember looking at the intern wage. Dr. Morocco would push a piece of paper in the old days, would push a piece of paper across the table. He says, this is the offer. And I, I opened it. I was like, <laughs> and he's like, not laughing. I'm laughing. He's not laughing. I think, okay, well, this is the point where we negotiate. He says, there's no negotiation. I thought, you know, so I walked away saying, this is impossible. There's too many chariots, too many horses. You have to turn my car in, whatever. It's impossible. I, I would need so much more money to make it every month. It was an intern position, you know, for somebody just getting out of college without a family kind of thing. That's all they had open. So I, 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 I went home and I thought, uh, no, I guess that's not the Lord. And as I prayed, the Lord said, if you jump, I'll catch you. And I thought, oh, no, no, just jump, jump, I'll catch you. I got this, it's like, how many of you know when God speaks to you, there's a moment where that's all he's going to say to you. And then you can deny that, then he stops talking, waits for you to listen from the last time. And so it got like, every, every time I'm praying, jump, son, jump. I'm like, God, I want to jump. And Dr. Michael Gannon, who will be with us at the power conference, and his wife, um, Michelle, he says, hey, man, he's like Southern California surfer type. And I'm standing in, in, I'm standing in the driveway of Pastor Ann's house. And she says, hey, man, how's it going? I said, there's Dr. Michael. He's standing there. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, good. He says, man, I was praying for you. I got the craziest word. It doesn't mean anything to me, but maybe it means something to you. I'm like, oh, yeah, bring it. He says, yeah. Literally, the Lord told me to tell you to jump, and he'll catch you. I said, Shut up. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get it that clear, when it's that clear, we jumped. We've been jumping ever since. God comes through. I said, God comes through. When he releases vision, you'll see the miracle of God. Okay, what is vision? There's a literal vision, like the Macedonian man and Paul. We've preached that to you before. Literal vision, open vision and closed vision, I should say. An open vision, biblically, to understand that is when your eyes are open, you're awake, and boom, you see a motion picture, you know, clouds or something in a vision. I had that when God told me to marry Pastor Karen. I needed that because I was scared. I've been through some hurts. I needed to really know, and I really know. That's my wife. She called me, amen, called me to be your husband. I'm so blessed. And had an open vision to confirm that. There's open vision, Macedonian man. There's vision like that. But there's another kind of vision that's often not taught. He said, well, I've never had a Macedonian man vision. I've never had a vision like that. Well, it doesn't mean that you won't. But everyone here can have what is called a hope vision. Write it in your notes. A what? A hope vision. 
It's the sense that God wants to do something. It's this burning in your heart desire to do something for God, to do something that, that, that he's called you to do. And it could be reaching the lost, a burden for, for souls. It could, be, it could be for the starting of a business to release resources for the kingdom. A, a, a desire in your heart to do something, we, we use the illustration of uh, Pastor Daniel Wine, who I've known for 30 years. And he got a burden for the homeless people in, on the island of Maui. And he, he began to go and knew, visit them. He'd bring them food. He knew what bush they slept behind. He knew where they were, what buildings they were, what beasts they were on. He learned their, their names and their kids' names. And he would minister to them all through. We didn't have a ministry like that, but he was so burdened. You start talking to him about the homeless people there in that area, he would just start weeping. He was burdened. He didn't have a Macedonian man that said, hey, we're the homeless people. Come help us. That's not what I did. He had a burden, somebody's gotta do something, and he started doing that. Do you know what's happened out of that and, and others with a hope vision? We have a ministry called uh, Family Life Center. Do you know that Family Life Center is a multi-million dollar outreach to the people there of Hawaii providing housing and food and counseling? It's our social service arm. You know God's gonna do that here? God's gonna do it. We, the beginnings of that's already happened. And according to your faith, may it be done unto you. We believe God. You know, they had, uh, I think it was Jeff Bezos, just felt, was impressed by what we did a, a year or so ago, so he gave us a million dollars. You know who that is? Amazon. So he gave us a million dollars. Well, they did so well with that, he said, wow, that was awesome. So they gave us two million this year. Now, that's pretty cool. It's God providing. It's God providing. Come on. I don't know where Jeff Bezos is at. He said, well, he's a pagan. I don't know what he is. What are you? But God uses the wealth of the wicked. Even if he is a pagan, God will use his money. Amen. And if he's not, may he be saved in Jesus' name. So there's a hope vision, a hope, a desire to do something. You see in the Apostle Paul, we long to come to you. It didn't, you know, over and over, I long to come to the church in Rome. Would you pray for me? Join me in my struggle. He says, I've longed to come for you. In other words, there's a hope in his heart for he desires to go see the people of Rome, the church in Rome. He didn't have a Macedonian experience to go to Rome. He had a hope. He had a hope vision to go there. Come on, someone say a hope vision. Vision is the beginning of the vision is the beginning of a miracle. Say that. Vision is the beginning of a miracle. And you'll see throughout the Old Testament and in the New, which I've given you some New Testament examples. And how many of you remember some of this message before? Vision's key. In Genesis chapter 15, there's a man, his name is Abram. And Abram is called by God in chapter 12 out of Ur of the Chaldeans with his wife, Sarai. Later, she becomes Sarah. Abram gets a name change as he obeys and he moves forward and his name becomes Abraham, Abraham, father of many. Even in his name, that's an expression of vision. You can't have any kids and you're called the father of many. But in Genesis 15, it is the most fascinating passage of scripture because God leads him out of his tent. He says, I don't have any heirs. He leads him out of his tent and the Lord says, okay, okay, Abram, look at all the stars. So he's looking at all the stars and he says, can you count them? And he says, no. But in that text, you see this one Hebrew word, na, N-A. And it's profound because the Lord brings him out and he says, na, Abram. Na means please. 
So understand this. Why would God say, please, will you please look at what I'm showing you right now? You know why? Because if he couldn't see it, he couldn't walk in it. And every day that he went out and there was a clear sky and he saw the stars, it was the Lord saying, please believe me, please. Why would God say please? Because you and I are here because Abraham was the father of faith. And if he could not believe, then he wouldn't be the man that would bring about even the, the birth of Israel, nation of Israel. He wouldn't walk in impossibilities. Fear would grip him and he would never fulfill the plan of God. And you know what the Lord says to you this morning? He says, please open your eyes. Please open your eyes. And you see this again in Joseph's life. He had dreams. Why would God give Joe dreams? Joe's short for Joseph. So that when it, when it got difficult, when, when, he, when he faced things, it would, it would encourage him. Vision is crucial for you to fulfill the plan of God. It's crucial for a church to walk in vision. Without vision, you're going to perish. But with vision, we can do miracles. Vision's the beginning of a miracle. Jacob chapter 37 of the book of Genesis. Jacob, Jacob takes these two sticks and he puts them in front of the sheep to make them speckle and spotted. He, he whittles a few sticks, taking off some bark, and he makes these spotted and speckled sticks. And when the sheep would see them, they would multiply. How many of you know a little bit about genetics? That's not how that works, okay? All right? That's not how that works. That's not how genetic, but that's how faith works. That's how vision works. That is how it works. He had faith that if you would do, God honored his faith and changed the genetics and he gave him more spotted and speckled sheep and God prospered him that way. Why does God do that? I'm glad you asked. One of the reasons is it's God's nature to do so. It is his character, his nature to do so. God speaks, God acts, God speaks again. That is how it works. And so if you can't embrace him speaking to you through, and we'll talk about how to get vision through burden, through, through the, a literal vision or a hope vision. If you can't embrace that, you'll never, full, you'll never fulfill all that God wants. I'm not saying you're going to hell, but I'm saying God wants you to do great exploits. Those that know their God, says the book of Daniel, will do great exploits and they'll shine like stars in the firmament. What God's doing through the church here at Kings Alaska is a great exploit to us. But, I, but don't be shocked because after we move in and do that, I'm telling you, there's other great exploits that God has for us to do. This is just a, a test to just moving forward. Come on, say, Lord, open my eyes. Each step is a further disclosure of who God is and his ways. Vision is progressive. I want you to say that. Vision is progressive. Dr. Morocco coined a phrase years ago and I don't know that I've heard it since then, but it's progressive apostolic vision. That's what God has given us at King's Cathedral and Chapels. We are one church in many locations. It's unusual. It's not all that unusual. It was in the 80s when we started doing one church, many campuses. Now it's popular, and I'm so glad. It's great. It's a great way to, to reach the lost. A local church is the answer to the woes of every nation. If a strong church can rise up and push back darkness and release the power of God. Somebody said to me, I can't believe they're building that $5 million building. That $5 million, you know what you could do with $5 million? You could help so many poor people. I said, shut up. 
First of all, it's 23 million. And, and you know what'll happen with that building? And it's just money and God's provided this too. But you know what'll happen? God will pour out his spirit, train people so they don't have to be poor anymore. So they don't have to be broken anymore. So the curse in their family doesn't get passed down to the next generation. So you can learn to have a healthy life and healthy kids and healthy finances and learn to live a life of hope, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Can I get an Amen. amen. Yeah, that's why we're building it to change the entire region and the nations. We need it. It's like a silo. You have a giant harvest. You got nowhere to store it. What are you going to do? It's going to rot. And I'll tell you what's happened in our, in our culture is a rotting, decaying culture because it's been ripe for harvest and nobody's going to get it. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to see this thing come to life. You see, you have to get so excited. I'm, I, I, burn, I, burn with, I burn with passion to fulfill what God's called us to do, with vision. Come on, somebody say, Lord, open my eyes. All right, let me calm down. Vision's progressive. Progressive apostolic vision. We started with three, three campuses in 81. Now we have nearly 500. And it was just a Pacific Rim back in the 90s, early 2000s. We're a church that's reaching the Pacific Rim. Well, it's no longer the Pacific Rim. Talk to our campus in Mozambique, in the Philippines, and beyond, the islands of the sea, all, all across America. Europe is opening. We've become global. How did that happen? I'm just glad it didn't happen in the early 80s, but it all lost our minds. See, vision, if you'll be obedient to what God shows you, he just goes, good job, go, excellent, boom. The, the aspect of the kingdom is that it grows. Can you say amen? And it's God's way, right in your notes, it's God's way of saying we're important to him. We're part of the process. You know God could do it all by himself, and he'd do a better job. I mean, look at creation. Boom, creation. Pretty good for six days. Not bad. But why would God choose us? Because he's partnered with us. We co-labor with him. He chooses you to stand in the gap to pray, Moses, to lift up your hand, the rod of God, so that the battle is won. He chooses you, Paul, and your apostolic team. He leads you. He guides you. He directs you. Why does God do that? Because you're important. I want you to say I'm important. You're important. You're special. You're pretty. It comes from some movie that I can't remember the name, but it's an awesome movie. The Help. What a flick. Wow. It's God's way of saying that we're important to him. By God giving us vision, he's testing us to see if we'll believe him or not. And that's amazing. You know, if Abraham believed God, it was accredited to him his righteousness. If he couldn't believe him, well, then he's going to find some other Abraham. You know, God wants to use you. I'm convinced that we weren't even the first choice. We might have been like, 25th on the on the on, on the queue. He got a hold of a crazy pastor Kirsten and he got a hold of a crazy pastor Vince. He got a hold of a crazy Pisoni family. He got a hold of me and the Bloomquist and a bunch of people that just said, okay, let's do it. Little did we know what we were in for. If you could believe God, you'll see miracles. You must have vision. Lord, open their eyes. Wow. And as you pass tests, it expands. 
as you pass tests that expand. Vision encourages us when time gets difficult. You can see that in the life of Joseph. You can see it in the life of Abraham. I certainly have all of my testimonies. And I usually at this time in the message share about when the, the church, when I was here, I think they tried to kill me. They sent me off. Yeah, they're all are sweet and loving now. Well, There's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I got sent on this mission to Delta in the church truck. And it was, you know, 40, 50 below zero. Nobody ever told me about putting heat in the tank and, and all of that. You know, cardboard in the front. You know, you're driving a truck at 40 and 50 below zero. You better be ready to drive at 40 and 50 below. You better have an emergency thing on the site, you know. And you know what happens to those phones back then? What was a Nextel or something? Pulled my phone out and I watched the battery go. Doo, 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 doo. I was like, what? The truck froze. I'm on the side of the road. My mom was with me. And the evangelist, uh, what's his name? Jason Adair driving behind me in this other little car. I put my mom in the car and I sent them to go to help. And when they drove off, I was like, wait. <laughs> I didn't want to leave the church truck because they said, oh, you know, vandals go by and they'll, they'll burn it on the side of the road. I'm like, oh man, got to protect the church stuff. I was able to get one call out to was a man in the church. He was like the go-to guy that knew everything about Alaska and he could come and rescue you and in a helicopter or something, you know, that kind of a guy. And he'd come, MacGyver, fix everything. If he crashed his plane, he'd duct tape it back together and fly. And, you know, I mean, the angels go with him on rescue. But, you know, that kind of a guy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So I get one call in to him. I said, I'm, I'm on the side of the road and my truck's frozen. What do you mean the truck's frozen? I said, it's frozen, man. I can see ice all over the car. The whole thing's frozen. He's like, oh, and he just curses and I lose him. I'm like, great. Long story shorter, as I sat there, I began to get hopeless. I was cold and they're like, all I can think is cotton kills, cotton kills, cotton kills. I've heard that a hundred times. Cotton kills, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. Cotton kills, cotton kills. I'm trying to do jumping jacks behind the wheel of a frozen Chevy. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to nod out and I realize I'm dying, I'm dying. I've been there for three hours plus, at 40 plus below. I can't feel nothing, it's not good. And I'm starting to nod out. I thought, hey, you brought me. I wanna be in Hawaii where you brought me, where I'm I was in Kauai and you called me to this place. And I started, wait, you called me to this place. And you told me there'd be a great revival. And everybody in the church hates me, so that can't be a revival. That's, I'm just poking fun. Some of you are still here. Hallelujah. I know. Come on, God's good. And I lost my mind in a vision declaration. God, you called me. You said that there's going to be a revival. This sure ain't it. I'm not dying right now. Lord, thank you that you're going to bring the golden oil of Zechariah like it is a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez, flowing the oil of, of Alaska all over the nations. By the grace of God, you're going to release the golden oil of Zechariah. That's why our project is called Project Zach, the golden oil of Zechariah, where these two trees are a picture of these two leaders, godly leadership and Oil flows through this, this pipe system up to this lamp that burns. That's Zechariah 4. And it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So I lost my mind. I preached. I declared the vision. By the time I was done, I was warm. 
head to toe. And the state trooper came up and offered me a granola bar that my mother sent to him. And I stand here today to tell you that vision encourages us when times get difficult. When I stood in the middle of that wind and I said, we will finish this thing. You can't stop what God started. Why, how do I know that? Because I know, God, we have a vision. The, the building will be done. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All right, when vision is fulfilled, who gets the glory? Well, God does. God gets the glory, not you. And vision has been a key to understanding this ministry. Okay, I, I gotta move forward now. How does vision come? Keep in mind, first of all, that it's a fight. Vision is a fight. If we're, if we're gonna get vision, it's a fight because Satan, and it's not a misspelling there, it's a small s on your notes, on purpose, because I'm not gonna give him honor and put a capital S. Satan knows that if you get a vision from God, he's in deep kimchi. Kimchi is a Korean food, it's really hot. You don't wanna be in that. It's deep trouble. So there's always a fight, there's a fight for that. And, and, and he knows that, that if you, the enemy knows that if you get a vision from God and, you're, and it releases faith, because the, the degree of the vision is the degree of faith that's released. And the degree of faith that's released is the degree of miracles. Vision is the beginning of a miracle. So God gives vision in four ways, right? Through a burden. You'll see it in Nehemiah, through a burden, through seeing a need. Pastor David uh, Daniel Wine, so a burden, a burden, moved, something, somebody's got to do something. Listen, if you feel so burdened by somebody having to do something, it could be that God called you to it. Somebody said to me, Pastor, how come we don't feed the homeless and, and how come we don't have a food bank? We had a food bank. We fed 350 families for a period of time and um, Olivia knows about that. We had files on them and just tried to help them grow into things of God. And there were so many other food banks and it just ended up being something that the Lord let us let go. We had to let go of it because he told us to. Now it might be that we would do that again, but somebody said, we need to have a food bank. Well, maybe God's calling you to do it. Sometimes God will give you a vision and he's calling you to do it. That don't mean out of your garage. Listen, all ministry that's birthed here happens from leadership. To the degree that we have leaders that have vision, we're going to do stuff. If we don't have a leader and we don't have vision, then we're not moving forward. When are we going to plant a church in Juneau? As soon as God gives me a leader to do it. When are you going to plant a church in San Francisco? As soon as God gives us a leader to do it. When are you going to move forward in Anchorage? As soon as we finish our building. We have leadership to do it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Through a challenge, David and Goliath. David said, you come to me with, with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. He had a vision. In fact, I can see your head being removed from your shoulders right now. And he spoke it. I see it, yes. Oh, yes, your head's going to be removed from your shoulders I, because I come to you in the name of the Lord. It's a spiritual battle, but he, but he had vision by a challenge through prophetic word coming to Alaska. Like I said, that was a prophetic word. It was a vision that God gave me. I was running 75 pounds heavier than I am now, trying to get rid of weight. I came to a street, which is really actually profound. The street's called AI, just like in the Bible. I came to the street, AI, and the Lord opened my eyes and I saw this incredible outpouring and I got this word of the golden oil of Zechariah and this pipeline from that would flow from heaven to Alaska and the golden oil would cover over Alaska down to Canada into the lower 48, over to China and over to Europe, that we would have a worldwide vision. I saw it. I saw a school of fire. I saw God doing these amazing things. That was a vision. And the Lord said, I'm sending you to go be a part of it. 
Called Dr. Morocco, he said, that's God. I said, amen, I was gone. Pastor Vince, Minister Ava, you were there. I, we went very short, shortly after, we were gone. 30 days later, on a boat, my stuff, stuff packed, we left. Vision, a prophetic word came that way. Sometimes you get a prophetic, we got a power conference. Listen, it's going to fill up. There's 400 and whatever it is right now. We'll go to about 550 or so, then we have to close. So he said, well, like, I want a prophetic word. You can get a prophetic word just by coming to the church. I'm giving you one now. But prophecy is one of the ways that God releases vision. I love the story of Dan Morocco and rheumatic fever. He's dying of rheumatic fever. And they say, you'll never preach again. Well, they say he's going to live, but he's never going to preach again. I'm not even sure what rheumatic fever is. You will never preach again. He was a a great, great Pentecostal preacher, apostle, and missionary, really a great Dr. Morocco's father. He's lying there, and he gets this, this, this vision of Paul and unusual miracles being released and a miracle being released to him. He got miraculously healed. He sat straight up in his bed. He got dressed. He shaved that morning, put his, put his clothes on, put his suit on, and said, I'm out. And he left and he preached and lived a full life after that. They said, how did that happen? Well, it was a miracle. And he went on to preach and, and, and raise the amazing Morocco boys and, uh, and his daughter who's now with the Lord. The, and through experience is another way. There's four ways to get vision. What are they? Through a burden, through a challenge, through a prophetic word, through an experience, either personally or vicariously. Vicarious is, is experiencing it through somebody else. I've had many an impartation by watching someone who was just 10 times the faith, full of vision, and just getting near people. I've had that happen in my own life. He said, well, I don't really have much vision. Stick around. I'm, I'm, I'm going off to Dr. David Remedios' church next weekend, Pastor Brian, and I owe him a debt of love. And he asked me to come and have revival meetings. And my answer is yes, because I probably wouldn't be preaching to anybody if it wasn't for him and the grace of God. So we're going, I'm going there. I don't, I don't want to be going for another weekend, but I have an obligation and I owe him a debt of love, especially even for hundreds of people that have been helped even here. I'm going to repay a debt of love to go bring the, bring the power of God by the grace of God. If you'll pray, you pray, I'll do my part. God's going to show up. But the other thing is I'm going to see what God's done there. This man is, came from a homeless situation in the Bronx graduated from New York, graduated from Hobart College and then went to New York University Medical School. He's someone who had nothing. He was from Cuba. And now he's been, he's been used by God to impact this entire region. And all these people are coming for this power Holy Ghost conference. It's amazing. Why would I go there? Not only to pay a debt of, of love, but to get near somebody who's full of vision. Full-time, full-time heart doctor, heart surgeon, also full-time pastor. Hello. And I need some of that anointing. I just do right now. I need some of that. I've been walked with Dr. Morocco. I'm talking about getting vision by hanging out, getting it experientially while you serve with somebody or vicariously. And one of my favorite stories is that the purchase of our Honolulu property at $21 million. We didn't have $21 million. We didn't even have a congregation when we bought it. How insane. That's not how you do it. Well, that's how you do it if God says so. And, and, and many people are like, I'm not sure that's God. For 10 years, people said, I'm not sure that's God. Oh, but what happened on the 11th or 12th year? The whole thing's debt-free, so you can go talk to God about it. 
The whole, I said the whole thing was dead free. In fact, if it wasn't for, it's crazy because if it wasn't for what happened here, we wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to support them and do what happened there. And then if it wasn't for what happened there, we wouldn't have actually been able to get the funding for what we're doing here. It's kind of supernatural, really. There's a partnership with Oahu. And of course, we're one church in many locations. But walking down that supermarket on that day, all the pastors, all the ministers flown in to, to Oahu to stand with Dr. Morocco in the meat section, the deli section of a supermarket that was still in operation. We just signed the dotted line and they have to finish and move out in the next 60 days or something. And we're standing there. He says, okay, we own it. Let's go walk. Everybody go walk. And he was so serious. I'm like, whoa, this is intense. He was like, okay, everybody just walk, pray, pray in tongues, walk all across the whole place. So everybody just scatters and we start praying in tongues. So I'm praying in tongues by myself. And I look down this aisle and there's Dr. Morocco all by himself. And I thought, oh, I'm going to walk with him. So I went up and walking with him and we're walking together. That's how he walks. He prays. And so I'm thinking, man, I wonder what it's like to be him. I'm in my 30s. Kind of, man, man, wow, I wonder what it's like to carry that kind of weight. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you have a couple bucks that I can get coffee? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, this is like dad, right? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, what a mountain of a man I got. So I'm walking. You know, I'm believing to, you know, get rid of fleas in the church. And we've just purchased this multi-million dollar facility full of vision. I'm walking with him. And I said, so, uh, pastor. He's like, what? He wasn't even nice. <laughs> what? I said, uh, how are you feeling right now that you've signed that? And how's that feel? He says, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. I thought, it is? <laughs> He's like, yes. And he quotes Star Trek. He quotes Captain Kirk. He says, that's irrelevant. We are engaged. <laughs> Some of you don't do stuff because it doesn't feel good. Can I tell you something? I've had lots of minute moments when I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good when, when they told me we've lost our whole building. What are you going to do? Might as well demo the whole thing and start over. You know, they didn't say that. I'm exaggerating, but I'm like, you know, I got home. I was like... Oh, I put my hands on my knees. I'm like, oh, God. And then, fire. Your feelings are irrelevant. Some of you pay way too many, too much attention to them. True vision is the work of the Holy Spirit. I got to close. Worship team. True vision is the work of the Holy Spirit. So you got to keep vision burning brightly. It's easy to lose vision if you don't stay close with the Lord, if you don't stay in the Word, if you don't stay in prayer. In fact, those are some of the points. You keep vision burning brightly by seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. I'm just, I'm not ready to go eat bonbons and everything. It's not time for bonbons. Christmas is next year. I, I'm, no, it's not time for me to buffet my body and feast. It's not time for me to do that. It might be time for you to do that. It's time for me to go deeper. I'm going after God. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. It's time for me to get more on fire. I want to see more miracles, more signs, more wonders. I'm going to fast and pray so this vision gets even hotter than it is right now. And it is white hot, no doubt. But what else does God want to do? So fasting and prayer helps you stay on fire. Come on, somebody, say amen. By having others pray for us. We need prayer. And I said fasting and prayer. That's why we're going to do more times of prayer. We'll let you know about that so, so we can move forward in a greater way. But it's also important to have others pray. Do you know that they pray every single morning? They pray for Alaska in all our major prayer centers around the world. Did you know that? 
Did you know they pray? They pray for Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen and all the staff and our building to be done. They bind and they loose and they release God's power. Do you know if we didn't have people praying for us, we wouldn't be here. We need, we need more people praying. So I know some prayer partners. Good, call them and tell them we need prayer. We're up against a principality. We're gonna break through this thing. Come on, it's, it's already, we're decreeing and declaring what Jesus has already done, but you still gotta walk it out. I said, Jesus has already done it. He's already defeated hell. He already took captivity captive. He's already done it, but you still need to walk it out. Write, write down the vision, make it plain. Write it down, run with it, says Haggai. Speak it for. That's why you hear me over and over and over and over. That's why we pray it will be done with shouts of. Now, how'd you all learn that? It's because I've been saying it so much. We've all been saying it. it is the word of the Lord. It will be done. It will be completed. What are you on mountain before Zerubbabel? You'll become a level plane. It doesn't matter how the wind blows or whatever problem happened. God will finish this thing. We will move in. Thousands of people and nations will be impacted. Grace, grace. The capstone will be done. You started it. You're going to finish it in Jesus' name. That is the word of the Lord. So you got to keep speaking it. What's God doing in your family? What do you, what do you want God to do in your music business? What do you want God to do in your, in your, in your, in your business, in your, in your classroom, at home, with your babies, with your marriage? Speak it forth. Come on, somebody. Amen. Lastly, how does vision burn brightly? By acting on the vision that you have. So for me, you know, was my my little leased pickup truck that I couldn't afford, couldn't afford it, just making ends meet. And the Lord says, jump, I'll catch you. Let me tell you how much I wanted to jump. Not at all, it was terrifying. I would need an additional thousand dollars every month. This is many, many years ago. Debt load, all of that. I just went, oh God, what? Jump. But the vision that he would catch me, that's a beautiful picture. It's like a kid jumping off the counter, gotcha. It was a picture of a jumping into his arms and he catches me and begins to fulfill the vision that he has for my life. And, and you know something, if we didn't jump, I'd, I'd still be doing what I was doing. And it's, it's, not, it's not that what you're doing is bad, it just is if God has a greater vision for you. Act on the vision that you have and it will be expanded. Can you say amen? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you.